0: This program is made possible by the giving of the God-Called Partners of Renner Ministries. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick.
1: Hey, friends, this is Rick Renner, and you can see on the screen behind me that today we're going to be talking about details about that cave where Jesus was born just outside of Bethlehem. And today we're specifically going to be answering the question, what are swaddling clothes and what is a manger? You're going to love this program. My friends, there are so many treasures in the Christmas story. And that's why I want you to order the whole series called Christmas, The Rest of The story there is so much you've never heard before. The subtitle says, Amazing Insights About Christmas You've Never Heard Before. It's 15 parts. It comes in multiple formats, and it comes with a great study guide. And my friends, I have put so much into this study guide that I want you to get it and really enjoy it. And the reason we do a study guide is because when you read and hear or read and see, it really gets the teaching down deep inside you. So be sure to order the series and get the study guide. And right now we're also offering you my book by the same title, Christmas, the rest of the story. The back of the book says, there's more to this story than you've been told. And there really is. It is amazing. Everything in the Christmas story, who were the magi? What was the value of their gifts? Why did the angels appear to that particular group of shepherds? What are swaddling clothes? What is a manger? Why did God choose Mary? Why did God choose Joseph? There's just so much in this wonderful story. And I want you to get Christmas, the rest of the story. You can get all these things by going online or by giving us a call right now. And when you reach out to us, please let us know how to pray for you. We believe Jeremiah 33.3. It says, call unto me, I'll hear you, I'll answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things. We saw in the last program that Jesus is a master artisan. He has the special knack of taking things that are dull and making them shiny again. And if you have anything in your life that seems a little dull or needs a touch of God, Jesus is just waiting to put his hand onto it and he'll turn it into something wonderful. But let us know how to pray and we'll pray with you. You can call us or you can send us an email. But right now, I want you to watch this, and then I'll be right back.
2: In many cases, Christmas has become the battleground in the ongoing culture war. Christmas has become happy holidays, and even the word Christmas has been canceled. In Rick Renner's timeless new book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, Rick reminds us of the true reason for the season, the birth of Jesus. Through its detailed watercolor illustration, Christmas the Rest of the Story invites you to explore the Christmas story as you interact with the story across nearly 300 decorated pages. With Rick's scholarly insight on the familiar story, you'll get a fresh, deep, and new understanding of the Nativity story and the powerful message of the Gospels.
1: The Christmas story is the most important story ever told. It is just miraculous. And with this wonderful, fully illustrated book, you will learn so much and you'll want to share it with others.
2: When you call or go online right now to pre-order this book for just $35, you will receive the eternal story of Christmas. Now beautifully told in this timeless keepsake bound in a landmark large format book, you can emphasize the true meaning of Christmas to your friends and family. This sweeping portrait of the Christmas story takes readers on an illuminating journey into that first holy night and ultimately the redemption story of God's love. Great as a gift or enhancing your own traditions. Pre-order the book today, Christmas, the rest of the story for just $35. Call now or go to renner.org to order. Don't miss this special Christmas offer. Get your copy today.
1: Today we're going to be answering the question, what are swaddling clothes and what is a manger? But in the first program this week, we saw that the emperor Constantine had a mother whose name was Helena and she converted to Christ and really became an avid follower of the Lord. And because she had access to the imperial treasury in Constantinople, she took the money and she traveled to Palestine. That's what it was called back in those days. And she began to research and investigate where were all the key locations having to do with the life of Jesus. And at that time, the descendants of first century believers were still around. And so she was able to interview them and really find out where many of these events took place. She found out where Jesus was born. She found out where Jesus was crucified, where he was buried, where he was baptized in the River Jordan, and many of the places where Jesus conducted miracles. And she memorialized and commemorated all of those places. Well, in the year 326, she had money from the imperial treasury And because she had interviewed many descendants of first century Christians, she found the place where Jesus was born. And indeed, it was a cave, just like we had been told by Justin Martyr and by the great theologian Origen. Justin Martyr wrote in the year 150, and Origen wrote in the year 248. One wrote 150 years after the birth of Jesus, Origen wrote nearly 250 years after the birth of Jesus. There was a lot of information about the place where Jesus was born. And when she really understood this was the cave where Jesus was born, she used those funds from the imperial treasury with a decree from her son, who was the emperor Constantine, and they constructed the first church of the nativity in 326. That's when construction began. They dedicated it in 339 and it stood for nearly 200 years. And then the emperor Justinian came to power and he said, wow, this site is so momentous. We need a greater church on that site than the one that was built by Helena. So he constructed what we see today when we go to Bethlehem, which is called the Church of the Nativity. And it was dedicated in the year 520 AD which means for more than 1500 years believers have been going there to see the place where Jesus was born and i understand that it's quite a shock to people when they get there because in our minds we think that Jesus was born in a barn made out of wood we think that Jesus was placed in a manger made out of wood why do we think that because that's what we see on Christmas cards. <laughs> and that's what we see on paintings that were rendered during the Middle Ages by Italian painters. But my friends, that picture is completely wrong. Jesus was not born in a wooden barn, he was not placed in a wooden manger. Jesus was born in a cave. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, that Mary brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, the very fact that Jesus was born in a cave does not mean that it was not a barn because the shepherds all around Bethlehem used the local caves for barns. That was a Bethlehem barn. But what's funny to me is millions of Christians around the world sing, Away in a manger! and they don't even know what it means, what is a manger, or they sing silent night, holy night. But was it really a silent night? In fact, it was a pretty noisy night. And that's what I'm going to show you today in the scriptures. But let's begin in Luke chapter two, verse one, which says, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. That word decree really describes a decree which was given by Caesar Augustus, but it was enacted by the Roman Senate. And when the Roman Senate gave such a decree, it had to be obeyed. So everyone had to participate. And the verse says all the world should be taxed. The word world is a very specific Greek word, which describes the inhabited world or the civilized world. And in fact, it is the very Greek word used to describe the entire Roman Empire. And during the time of Caesar Augustus, the Roman Empire's territory nearly doubled in size and they needed more money for construction for all kinds of things that were going on across the empire. So the purpose of this taxation or this worldwide census was to determine the size of the empire, then they would know what is the tax base and how much money they could generate for their projects all over the Roman Empire. And really the word tax means to be enrolled, it refers to a governmental census, and again, so they could determine the possible tax revenue and the budget of the government. And the Bible says, and all went to be taxed everyone unto his own city. And in verse three, the word all and the word everyone is important because both of them confirm something important. The word all, the Greek word pantes, means everyone all with no one excluded. The word everyone is a translation of the Greek word "hēkestos," which also means everyone, all, no one excluded, which means everyone in the empire was to leave where they were and they were to return to their ancient city where their family first began and where they were enrolled. And this means large numbers of people were on the move at the same time. In fact, it was the first time in human history that an entire empire was moving at the same time. To accommodate this decree, businesses, schools, and stores were closed. Salaries were Suspended. Work was brought to a screeching halt as individuals and whole families from across the Roman world were packing their belongings and hunting for that place where their family came from. They were moving, moving, moving to be registered in the census. And it's very likely that there was a concert of complaining about the government from one end to the other end of the Roman Empire. Why are they requiring us to do this? Why couldn't we just be censused where we live? Why do we have to go back to our original hometown? But God was at work clearly orchestrating events to fulfill biblical prophecy. We're told in Micah chapter 5 verse 2, nearly 730 years before Jesus was born, that Christ the Messiah would be born in the city of Bethlehem. Wow. In order for that prophecy to be fulfilled, God put the whole world in movement just to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem in time for Jesus to be born and to fulfill biblical Prophecy. Maybe Mary and Joseph didn't want to go. We don't know. But because of this decree, they had no choice. They had to return to the city of Bethlehem. This decree from Caesar Augustus was the catalyst that brought them there. And it demonstrates to me and to you that God will do anything he has to do to get you and me where we need to be. And in fact, if needed, God will still inconvenience people. He will change plans. He'll do anything he has to do to get you where you need to be in his ultimate destiny for your life. Say amen. But what about that trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem? Well, we read in Luke chapter 2, verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and of the lineage of David. Well, the distance from Nazareth to Bethlehem is 70 to 90 miles, depending on the route that you take. For a person in really good shape that's not pregnant, it would take about Mm, three days, four days. You could travel about 20 miles a day. But for a woman who was greatly pregnant like Mary was, it could take seven to 10 days. And it was a horrible trip for a pregnant woman. Along the way, she would need multiple breaks to rest. She'd need to go to the restroom and it would require she and Joseph to set up tent, break down tent all along the way. My friends, This clearly was not an easy trip, especially for a woman who was great with child. But it was part of the plan of God to get them to Bethlehem so Jesus would be born in the right place according to biblical prophecy. And it tells me that not only will God inconvenience other people to get you where you need to be, He may inconvenience you and ask you to do really something difficult to be where you need to be. Wow. As you serve God, you need to understand there really will be times when God will ask you to do something that's not comfortable and not convenient. But if you're willing to do it, God will get you where you need to be. And Joseph and Mary were willing to do whatever it was to be in Bethlehem at the right time. But the Bible tells us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And the word Bethlehem means the house of bread. And this is really significant because in John 6, verse 41, Jesus said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Jesus really is the living bread that came down from heaven. And he was even born in Bethlehem, which is the house of bread. With pinpoint precision, God fulfilled his prophecy through Micah and supernaturally birthed, salvation, which became bread to the entire human race, the bread of salvation, the bread of healing, the bread of prosperity, the bread of God's promises. Jesus is the living bread, and he was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. But the Bible goes on to tell us to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. But when the Bible says she was great with child, the Greek literally means she was very pregnant or very far along in pregnancy or one who was right on the verge of giving birth and that it happened. Luke 2 verse 7 says, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. But notice Jesus here is called the firstborn. And in Greek, it is a word that literally means the firstborn, implying that others will later be born. And Jesus was the firstborn. He was the only one virgin born because he was the son of God. Now, there are religious traditions would say that Mary never had any other children. But all you have to do is look at the Bible. Because in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55 and 56, it tells us explicitly that after Jesus was born Other brothers were born as well. They were named Joseph, James, Jude, and Simon. And verse 56 says there were at least two sisters. So after Jesus was born, there were another six kids that were born in the family. And it's amazing that all of these kids later were involved in the ministry. James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem and wrote the book of James. Jude became an apostle and wrote the book of Jude. But Luke 2, verse 7 says that when Jesus was born in that cave in Bethlehem, Mary wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. So I'm to ask you, do you know what our swaddling clothes and do you know what a manger really looked like? Most people base their mental images on these things based on Christmas cards. <laughs> and Christmas cards are wonderful, but Christmas cards are not entirely right. The painter's And the illustrators who design our Christmas cards put everything on the front of a card so we see the whole picture at once. They put the magi there, the shepherds there, the angels there. But my friends, they were not all there at the same time. In fact, you're going to discover the magi didn't show up until two years later. And very often the Christmas cards show the holy family in a barn made out of wood and a manger made out of wood. But when we take a deeper look at the story, we find that the paintings and the greeting cards are woefully wrong. Let's begin with what we know about swaddling clothes. The words swaddling clothes are from a Greek word that describes the bandages or strips of material that were used for wrapping the little legs of newborn lambs. And of course, those bandages would have been available in that cave because that cave was used as a barn. And it's likely that on the very night that Jesus was born, there were little lambs in that cave. Shepherds used that cave. So these materials would have been there. But in typical fashion of caves near Bethlehem, there would have been animals in the cave that night when Jesus was born, most likely little lambs among them. And because little lambs were being born there, there needed to be these swaddling clothes to protect the legs of the little newborn lambs. And because Jesus was born in a cave that possibly had those little lambs, those strips of cloth or swaddling clothes were available there. And they were used by Mary to wrap little baby Jesus, the Lamb of God, when he was born. And this means that Jesus, in his very first appearance on earth, symbolically foreshadowed his purpose of coming, that he was born to be the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Remember, in John chapter 1, verse 29 and 36, John the Baptist declared Jesus to be the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. In 1 Peter 1.19, Peter says Jesus is the spotless lamb of God. In Revelation 5.12 and Revelation 13.5, we read that Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And the title lamb of God makes the term swaddling clothes extremely significant to the Christmas story because Jesus in his very first appearance is wrapped With the same bandages which were used for little lambs, Jesus laid in that manger as the little lamb of God that was born to take away the sin of the world. But what is a manger? Well, the Bible says explicitly that Mary laid him in a manger. And due to paintings and illustrations on Christmas cards, most people have in their mind the picture of a manger made out of wood but my friends, that's not right. We're told by the theologian Origen, when he wrote in the year 248 AD, that the cave in Jerusalem still had the manger in which Christ was born. Well, if the manger had been made of wood, it would have rotted or it would have fallen into disrepair or been carried away. But in 248 A.D. Origen wrote, there is shown at Bethlehem the cave where Christ was born and the manger in the cave where he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And this site is still greatly talked of in surrounding places. And of course, again, if it was made of wood, it wouldn't have been there any longer. But mangers in those caves were not made out of wood. They were fashioned out of stone. And in fact, they were carved right into the wall of the cave, which makes sense that it was still visible nearly 250 years later. It existed for more than 250 years, and Origen said you can still go there, you can still see it, and it's interesting that today when you descend the steps into the grotto below the Church of the Nativity, there is still a manger of stone that is carved into the wall of the cave. Whether it is that manger or not, we don't know, but it would have been a manger just like that one. But I have to ask another question. Why was there no room in the inn that night? We're told in Luke chapter 2, verse 7 there was no room for them in. The end. And religious tradition says there was no room for them because they were poor. But we saw in previous programs that Joseph was well compensated. He was not a poor carpenter. He had money to pay for a room. But Bethlehem was just a little tiny obscure village and there were not many places for travelers to stay. And most people simply stayed on the second floor of big houses but there weren't many of them in Bethlehem. And so when they arrived late, all the places were already taken. And because there was no place for them to go in an inn on a second floor, they retreated into the back of that cave. And the Bible says Mary was great with child and was about to give birth. So because they found no other place to go, they went to the back of that cave. And that is where Mary gave birth to the son of God. I've been in many of those caves around the ancient city of Bethlehem. I've seen it. It's very easy to imagine how they would have been used as a barn. But today, people love to sing away in a manger. They don't even know what a manger is. Or silent night. But I have to ask again, was it really a silent night? Probably not. It was a cave filled with noisy animals, possibly with shepherds, possibly with other travelers who also could not find a place to stay. But in the back of that cave... Jesus was born. And below the present Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem, there really are two sets of steps which go down into the lower grotto where you can find a bronze store in the marble that indicates the place where Jesus was born. And if you look nearby, you will see a stone manger carved out of the wall of the cave. So now we know what are swaddling clothes and we know what is a manger. When people go there today, it's difficult for them to imagine this was the site where it took place because today it's so religiously decorated that history affirms it really is where Jesus was born. But when we come back in the next program, we're going to understand the miracle that occurred in that cave when Jesus was born. I'll be back in just a moment and I want to pray for you.
0: Do you really know the story of Christmas? Is there more to the story about the birth of our Savior than what you've been told? In this series, Christmas, the rest of the story, Rick Renner dives deep into the parts of the Christmas story that most people have never heard. Rick says, I've studied this story for decades, and I found fabulous treasures no one ever shared with me. In this series, we explore the Bible, history, historical writings, and so much more, so we can really understand all the events that took place surrounding the birth of Jesus. Rick answers questions like, why did God choose Mary? Was Joseph really a carpenter? Why was Herod so troubled by Jesus' birth? Who were the magi? And what was the estimated value of their gifts? This 15-part documentary-type series is available in digital or physical format, starting at just $24. And we're excited to also offer you Rick's stunning new book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, for a special new release price of $35. It's a book you'll want to share with friends and family at this time of the year. This hardcover, 300-page, fully illustrated book is a keepsake that friends and family will pass on to future generations. Don't miss this special offer, the series, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, and the beautiful book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now.
1: Hey friends, this is Rick Renner, and today I'm standing in the foyer of Rick Renner Ministries, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I just wish I could pick you up and bring you here to see all the wonderful ministry that is happening in this facility where we receive thousands and thousands of phone calls from people just like you who reach out to us for prayer and for teaching they can trust. make an impact in somebody else's life right from where you are think about that you don't even have to get out of your chair just go online or make a phone call and bam by becoming a part of the giving team you can do something that reaches beyond your world into somebody else's life to really make a difference that is powerful and according to the great commission in matthew chapter 28 jesus promises that if we'll go or if we'll do what we can do to help others go with the Word of God, His power will show up in our lives. So thank you for praying about being a part of our giving team. And the moment you join, I want you to really expect the power of God to show up in your life. We've covered a lot of information today, and tomorrow we're going to really understand the miracle that occurred in that cave when Jesus was born. But I'm offering you my series and the study guide called Christmas, The Rest of the Story. And we're also offering you my book by the same title. It is fully illustrated. When you get this, you will simply be thrilled. Christmas, The Rest of the Story. You can order all these things by going online or by giving us a call. But Father, we thank you that Jesus was born for us. We thank you, the King of Glory, came to the earth as the little lamb of God to take away our sin. Oh, we thank you for this. We thank you for repentance. We thank you that we've been washed in the blood of Jesus, the lamb of God. Amen. Hey, I'll be back tomorrow, but remember Ecclesiastes 8, 4, which says, where the word of a king is, there is power.